You're listening to sermon audio from First Baptist Church Van Alstine. For more information about First Baptist Church and our services, please visit www.fbcva.com. Now, as you know, our church has been working through the Baptist faith and message, talking about the distinctives of our faith for the last few months. And it just so happens that this week we are going to go on to Article 11, which is evangelism and missions, right? This is my heart, my passion, so I'm excited about this one. Let me read to you what the Baptist faith and message says. It says, It is the duty and privilege of every follower of Christ and of every church of the Lord Jesus Christ to endeavor to make disciples of all nations. Missionary effort on the part of all is expressly and repeatedly commanded in the teachings of Christ. It is the duty of every child of God to seek constantly to win the lost to Christ by verbal witness undergirded by a Christian lifestyle. I'm thankful that the Baptist Faith and Message takes what the scripture says and puts it into a summary statement so that we as a Baptist church can confess that this is what we believe. But I want you to see this morning that this is built upon Scripture, that the ideas that are taught here in the Baptist Faith and Message come directly from Scripture. So if you have your Bible, and I hope you do, open it up to Romans chapter 10. We're going to be looking at verses 13 to 15. I want us to see this morning that it is the responsibility of every church to pray, give, go, and send to the nations. And it is the responsibility of every believer to pray, give, go, and partner with other believers as a church to send to the nations. These are not optional. You know the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19 to 20 says, "'Go therefore and make disciples of all nations.'" baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. This is a command for all believers. If you are a Christian, then this is a command for you. Maybe you woke up this morning and as you were preparing to come to church, you prayed and you asked the Lord, Lord, I pray that you will speak to me today. Well, here is God's word spoken to you as a believer in Christ. Go, make disciples, teach, baptize. The question is whether or not you will obey this command from Jesus. Hudson Taylor, the famous missionary to China, said, The Great Commission is not an option to be considered. It is a command to be obeyed. Since you are called and our church is called to make disciples of all nations, the question is not, should I take part in fulfilling the Great Commission, but how will I take part in fulfilling the Great Commission? I'm thankful that we are a church who speaks often about missions, who focuses on taking the gospel to the nations. And so I can say with confidence that at First Baptist Church of Van Alstine, our mission is to send people to speak about Jesus so that people can call upon him and believe in him for salvation. Let me say that again. Our mission is to send people to speak about Jesus so that people can call upon him and believe in him 
for salvation. And we accomplish this mission when we pray, give, go, and send to the nations. So let's look together at Romans chapter 10, verses 13 to 15. I just have two points that come from this passage. Let me read the passage to us, and then we'll consider the two points that I have. Verse 13, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on him they have not believed in? And how can they believe without hearing him? And how can they hear without a preacher? Verse 15, and how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. My first point this morning is the message of missions. Consider what verse 13 says. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is a direct quote from Joel chapter 2, verse 32 in the Old Testament. Why is that important? It's important because Paul is not giving a new teaching at the time of the church. This is something that Joel had prophesied hundreds of years before Jesus. And even Joel, in the book of Joel, is building his argument upon the teachings of the book of Deuteronomy. And Deuteronomy is basing its teachings upon what God has revealed and upon the promises made to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. This is not a new teaching. From Genesis to Revelation, the one teaching of Scripture is absolutely clear in its most climactic point that for whoever calls upon the Messiah, they will be saved. And so Paul is restating that here. Peter quoted this passage in his sermon at Pentecost. If you remember the very beginning of the church, Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit descends on the believers that have been waiting like tongues of fire. They speak in other languages so that the Jews and the God-fearers of the nations who are there can understand them. Everybody is confused. They're like, how are they speaking in our native language? Because the Holy Spirit is enabling them to speak in these languages. And Peter stands up, and whenever he preaches that first sermon of the New Testament church, what's his main point? Right here. He quotes the same passage. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. At the beginning of the church, Peter proclaims a gospel that is aimed at people from all nations. Romans 10.13, our verse that we've been looking at conceptually, links back to chapter 10, verse 9. Maybe you know that, that verse. It says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So here's how the logic of it works. Who will be saved? Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord. How can you call upon the name of the Lord? Well, you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. So according to verse 13, who can call upon the name of the Lord? Everyone. The text does not say every Jew who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Nor does it say for our culture, every American who calls on the name of the Lord Nor does it say everyone who gets their life right 
and has everything in order and then calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. No, the text is emphatically clear. Everyone, no distinctions who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. There are no distinctions of status, age, race, ability, class, gender, wealth, or anything else. Everyone is the most inclusive term possible. It has no distinctions. And I want you to see that salvation is absolutely certain for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord. In verse 13, it doesn't say everyone who calls on the name of the Lord might be saved or should be saved if everything works out okay. No, it says very certainly everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, if I were to ask you, do you believe this truth? I assure you that almost every single one of you would say, yes, I believe that that is true. But if you believe that that is true, then it must be the constant aim of your life for everyone to call upon his name. As the Baptist Faith and Message said so clearly, it is our duty to seek constantly to win the lost. And if that is your aim, then that is the aim of your family prayers. It is the aim of your family giving. It influences how you see your job. Are you equipping people to go to the nations? Are you using your job to send people to the ends of the earth? It affects how you see your politics. It is not just a godless nation over there. It is people who need the gospel. And if this is true, that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, then that is every bit as much true for somebody who grew up in a Christian family in Van Alstine as it is for somebody who is fighting for ISIS today in Syria. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So what is our role? That brings me to my second point. The second point is this, the methods of missions. So Paul reasons backward from his certain statement in verse 13. In verse 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, he then takes that certainty and works backward logically. So look at what he says in verse 14. How then can they call on him whom they have not believed in? You can't call on Jesus if you don't believe in Jesus. That's one of the points of verse 9. What does it mean to call on him? Well, it means to confess and to believe. You have to believe in Jesus. But how can we believe in Jesus? John chapter 1, verse 12 says, But to all who received him, who believed on his name, he gave the right to be called children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Notice what that's saying. It's saying you cannot be saved because your parents were Christian. You cannot be saved because you have done lots of good things even if you've done an extraordinary number of good things. You cannot be saved because you're from the right bloodline or the right ethnicity. 
You can only be saved by grace through faith in the life, death, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is the work of God. So Paul continues to reason backward. If you you can't call on Jesus if you don't believe in him. And then he asks the next question. And how can they believe without hearing about him? You can't believe in Jesus without hearing about Jesus. Maybe you heard about Jesus from your parents whenever you were young, or maybe from a Sunday school teacher or at vacation Bible school. Maybe you heard about Jesus from a coworker who shared the gospel with you. Maybe you heard about Jesus whenever you were at university and someone invited you to an event and there they shared the gospel with you. But I can assure you of this fact, every single one of you who believes in Jesus heard the gospel from someone. That's why the Baptist faith and message undergirds that we share the gospel by verbal witness that is reinforced by a Christian lifestyle. There is a famous quote that is falsely attributed to St. Francis of Assisi. It says this, it says, preach the gospel at all times. If you must use words. Now I get the sentiment of it. It's saying, you know, try to do good things. But the statement itself is very anti-biblical because the Bible makes very clear in chapter 10, verse 17 of Romans, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. You cannot share the gospel without words. We have a message of a risen Lord. The gospel, which is so good, has been given to us, and we have that ability to share with our words so that people might hear and believe the gospel. And so Paul makes that argument. He says, how can they believe without hearing about him? And then he reasons further back. He says, and how can they hear without a preacher? Now, whenever I say the word preacher, what comes to mind? In my mind, My pastor comes to mind. Pastor Mike comes right to mind whenever I hear the word preacher, and I'm sure that's the case for most of you. But this isn't the same word that is used to talk about the pastor who is the shepherd, the leader of a church. The word here that is used for preacher refers to anybody who has the authority to proclaim a message. So the preacher in this situation is anyone who has the authority to share the gospel. Now, let me ask you a question. Based on the Great Commission, who has the authority to share the gospel? All of us. Everyone who is a believer in Christ has the authority. It has been given to us, delegated to us by Jesus Christ to go and to share the gospel. So whenever the word preacher is used here, it's talking about you. How can they hear unless someone preaches to them? without a preacher. And so Paul continues to reason back and says, and how can they preach unless they are sent? If you just stay at home, you're not going to share the gospel with many people. You have to go. You have to be sent. Our mission then is to send people to speak about Jesus so that people can call upon him by believing in him. So to whom do we send them? Everyone. Because everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
no distinctions. And so that means that we as a church send out people to McKinney and to Howe and to Sherman and to Greenville. We send out people to Minneapolis and Boston and Portland and Dell City. And it means that we send out people to London, to Dubai, to Shanghai, and to Kuala Lumpur. It means that we as a church and you as an individual must pray, give, go, and send to the nations. So how do we do that? How do we do that? Let me take those points one by one. Pray. We pray. The early church leaders regularly asked for prayer on their behalf. Paul asked people to pray for him in 1 Thessalonians 5.25, 2 Thessalonians 3.1, Romans 15.13, and Ephesians 6.19. The author of Hebrews asked people to pray for him in Hebrews 13.18. Those who were sent out by the early church were constantly asking people to pray for them. Colossians 4.3 makes this so clear as Paul says, At the same time, pray also for us that God may open a door to us for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains so that I may make it known as I should. So he's saying, pray for him that the door is open for the word so that people will hear the message of Christ and so that he will share it as he should. You can and should have an active role in the daily lives of missionaries serving around the world through prayer. Let me be selfish. I want you to pray for our family. I really do. I want you to pray that we are able to find a home in a good neighborhood where we can share the gospel with lots of lost people. I want you to pray that our neighbors' hearts will be softened to hear and believe in Jesus. I want you to pray for my kids. I want you to pray that they can find friends over there. I want you to pray that we won't give up. I want you to pray that we will be fearless. It's not any easier to share the gospel over there than it is here. Pray that we will be fearless with the gospel. I want you to pray for other missionaries serving around the globe, taking them before the Father, praying for their needs, praying for the harvest to be plentiful, praying for them to be fearless, praying for many people to turn from their sin and follow Jesus, praying that they will endure and persevere despite the struggles and the sufferings. One family who are are friends of ours are going to a very, very tough place in the Middle East where literally every village around them is full of terrorists. And they're going there to share the gospel because they believe that there are people whom God wants to save in the midst of those communities. They're going as a family. Pray for them. Help them to realize that the gospel of Jesus Christ is worth more than their lives because that's a very real thing for them. So you may be wondering, what kind of things can I pray for? Who are some people that I can be praying for? Let me give you some practical ideas about how you can daily pray for missionaries serving around the globe. Now, the simplest is you can follow the International Mission Board, IMB, on Twitter or Facebook. I know that most of you have a Facebook account, at least, and some of you have Twitter. You can follow the IMB through social media in that way, and daily, 
You will hear stories of missionaries serving around the world, and they will put daily prayer requests of things that you can pray for. You can follow The Joshua Project on Facebook, Twitter, or go to the website, joshuaproject.org, every day, and it will give you a new unreached people group that you can be praying for. You can go to a Christian bookstore or go on Amazon and order Operation World. It's a book, it's a thick book, like 300-something pages, that just has a couple pages on every country on the globe, talks about the status of the gospel, what are some prayer needs, things that you can daily be praying for. So you could just open that up each and every day to a different country and pray for that country. Operation World even has an app for your phone that will give you a daily notification. Uh, I get one at nine o'clock, my watch will buzz, and I'll look at my watch and it will say, today with Operation World, we are praying for the country of Turkey. And I can pray for Turkey. You can go to the website, imb.org, that's International Mission Board, imb.org, forward slash pray, and you'll see daily updates and prayer requests from various regions around the world. If you are a member of the WMU at our church, or you know somebody who is a member of the WMU at our church, then you could ask them for a copy of Missions Mosaic magazine. Missions Mosaic magazine has the name or initial of every missionary serving with the IMB on their birthday. And so on their birthday, you can go each day of the month, you can pray for missionaries on their birthday. So there is no excuse in our global connected world for you to be uninformed about what God is doing in the nations. There are plenty of ways that you can get more prayer requests than you have time to pray for each and every day as the gospel goes forth to the ends of the earth. So the first thing we can do is to pray. The second we can do is to give. I want to thank you because we are a very generous church. I want to thank you for your weekly giving to First Baptist Van Alstine. You may not realize it, but whenever you give to the general fund of the church each and every week, a portion of that goes to the SBC, Southern Baptist Convention, cooperative program. The cooperative program is one of the greatest ideas in the history of churches where all of our Southern Baptist churches, whether we have 10 members or 30,000, partner together in giving to provide for seminaries, for disaster relief, for orphanages, and for church planting in America and around the world. So out of every dollar that our church gives to the cooperative program, 25% of that goes to the International Mission Board. So you may not realize it, but every single week, whenever you faithfully give to our church, you are faithfully supporting missionaries around the globe. Even more so, every Christmas, as Pastor Mike already mentioned, we do the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Now, this is a big one to me, and this is why this is a big one to me. Number one, it was emphasized to me growing up. Number two, it pays my salary, right? So this is big. The Lottie Moon Christmas offering, 100% of what you give to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering goes to missionaries overseas, None of it stays in America. There are no fees or no overhead costs, none of that. 100% goes to the field. Now, the IMB is the largest missions organization that the world has ever known. We have currently about 4,500 units serving around the globe. And by a unit, I either mean a single individual or a family. 
And so we have about 10,000 people, including families, that are serving around the globe, and that requires a lot of financial resources. You may not have thought about everything that goes into sending a missionary, but let's take somewhere that is a little more open. I had some friends who, they flew out to Germany last week. For them to get into Germany, all they need is a visa and an airline ticket. But once they are in Germany, they need housing, insurance, transportation, all of those different types of things so that they can daily share the gospel and make that the focus of their lives to share the gospel and plant churches in Germany. But I have other friends that are going to more difficult places to enter. So, for instance, if you were going to a country like Iran or Syria or North Korea, it takes a lot more training and it takes a lot more strategy to even get you across the border. And many times that requires starting and funding businesses that they can use as a platform. That requires a lot of financial resources. So 100% of the Lottie Moon Christmas offering goes to support that. Your regular giving each and every week to our church goes to support that. And so I thank you because we are a giving church. I mean, last year we set our Lottie Moon Christmas offering record as a church. We are a giving church. We support these things. And so I thank you and I pray that we continue to do that even more so in the future. Not just so that we get paid, but so that we can send more people because 4,500 units is not sufficient to the task of reaching the billions who do not know Jesus Christ. So you can pray, you can give, and you can go. Last summer, a team from our church went to serve in West Africa. I love this picture because you see the age range of the four who went to serve. You have a high school student and a retiree. That's awesome. That's the way it should be. You see, we need people going on short-term trips who are high school students, college students, young professionals, retirees, who are going to the nations to serve. Others from our church have served with the IMB during Christmas in China. I know of another girl who served in the hands-on program and spent a semester in China. The IMB always has requests for short-term trips of two, three weeks, whatever it may take for you to come over and serve on IMB teams. We need the manpower every bit as much as we need the financial resources. This is a task that God has given to the church. And so we need to go and we need to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And finally, we can pray, we can give, we can go, and we as a church can send. First Baptist Van Alstine is our sending church. This is our home. Like, I miss y'all. I'm so thankful that you are our home, and I know that you will be keeping us in your minds, that you will be praying for us, that you will be keeping up with us, and that more importantly, you will be sending teams over to help us. I know that that's the case. However, I pray that as our church continues to grow, that we will send more people to serve full-time around the globe, more singles, more families, more retirees to go and to serve full-time. Since David Platt became the president of the International Mission Board about three years ago, he has emphasized time and time again that we need to send limitless missionaries through a variety of pathways. 
recent college graduates can continue to go overseas for two years through the journeyman program. Maybe some of you served in the journeyman program or you know somebody who has. It is a great thing where as soon as you graduate from college, you go over for two years to serve on an IMB team somewhere around the globe. And here's something that's cool. As we were at this training, there were a number of people who were going to serve career with the International Mission Board. And as you started to talk to these people who were going to serve for the rest of their lives, and you asked them, when did you start feeling called to missions? So many of them said, well, I was kind of interested in missions, and I said yes to serving two years as a journeyman. And God used that to pull on their heart so that after their journeyman term, they said, you know what, I can go serve the rest of my life wherever God calls me to go. So we still have that program. We have other opportunities for young couples who want to serve for two to three years, young individuals or couples through the ISC program. We have the need for families, young professionals to go and serve full-time as career missionaries. If you're interested in seminary or you know somebody who's interested in seminary, we have a Macedonia project where you go serve for three, four years among the nations and you get a seminary degree, a master's degree while serving on the field. We need retirees to go. We have the master's program. So for two to three years, you go and serve among the nations. This is a huge need. Don't waste your retirement. If you have been given all of these years of wisdom, if you have been given that retirement check to serve the church and to serve the nations, then use it for Jesus among the nations. It is there for you to do. You have much wisdom that some of us don't have yet that you can bring to the task. We need young professionals in businesses who are working with international companies to take that transfer, whether it means an increase or a decrease in pay, to take that transfer internationally so that you can serve on part-time on a team while working for your company. You see, we have so many needs and we have so many opportunities for our church to send people to go. So what is God calling you to do this morning? If you follow Jesus as Lord, then the command is that you must make disciples of all nations. The only question is how will you obey that command? Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church Van Alstine. FBCVA is located at 121 East Marshall Street in Van Alstine, Texas, or you can visit us online at www.fbcva.com. Be sure to visit the sermon archive for more messages from this and other series.